Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor, passionate to help you humanize business to achieve real results. On my last episode, you heard Rob Markey, one of the NPS originators, discuss CX measurements and actionable ways to do it right. Now I'm digging deep into the topic of employee experiences, because when your staff is feeling valued and engaged to deliver excellence, customers see and feel it too. People often ask, what does employee engagement mean? How do you really motivate others? Do you need to tie measurements and results to employee bonuses? And what tactics really work? Well, my guest, CX pioneer and seven-time author, Colin Shaw, answers many of these questions based on his tremendous knowledge of behavioral science and related human factors. I recommend you don't multitask when listening to Colin as there is so much to gain from this episode. And one request, if you like my show, please leave a review and subscribe to my podcast. It means a lot. Now let's get started. Welcome, Colin Shaw. Let's start with who are you and what do you do? That's probably a most interesting question I could spend the next half an hour talking about. (laughs) So who am I? I'm Colin Shaw. I'm the founder of a company called Beyond Philosophy. We're one of the pioneers of customer experience. So I've been doing this for 20 odd years and written seven books on the subject and love talking about it. So thank you for having us on on the show. I am so happy. So let's start with employee experience topics because we know that you got to start from the inside because the customers see it and feel it, right? So yep. what does employee experience really mean to you? You know, I, I actually think you could take a step back and just, I think we should just examine the word experience, okay? Because, you know, the issue for me is that when you talk about customer experience or employee experience, for me, it's the same thing because there's that word experience. So what we're really talking about is human experiences, yeah? You know, and your customers and your employees are, guess what? They're human beings. And because they're human beings, therefore the same things apply. You have to understand why people do things, what their motivations are, their emotions, the, you know, the subconscious, the whole area around behavioral science. And if you can understand that from a human perspective, you can then apply that to employees, but you can also apply it to customers. And guess what? You can apply it to friendships and relationships and everything else, because it's all about sort of human nature and why why people do what they do. And the interesting part about all of this that I find fascinating is that we are, we're not rational. Human beings are not logical and rational, even though we think we are. Yes. So here's a better word, employee engagement. How do you drive that? How do you drive that deliver customer excellence? Yeah. So employee engagement is by the word engagement, you're talking about there some form of sort of motivation, aren't you? So by again, by definition, you're talking about somebody being motivated, I'm engaged, I want to do this. The issue for me then is you've got to define what it is that motivates that individual. And now you get into this whole area again of behavioral science, as you start to understand, you know, what motivates an individual. So again, let me let me take a step back, because I'm, I think I may be assuming some knowledge here for the audience. So when we look at an experience, and again, I'm, I'm not differentiating between a customer or an employee, 
When we look at an experience, we look at four things. We look at what's what's the person doing, okay, so the, the action they are taking. We look at what emotion are they feeling, so what's, you know, what's that person feeling. We look at what's the, the subconscious clues, okay? So the subconscious is there are things that you're conscious of, there are things that you're aware of, okay? People are aware of my voice at the moment and there are subconscious things that are happening and that could be the my body language, the way that I'm gesturing, etc, etc. So that's the subconscious area and then finally at the bottom you've got this whole area of behavioral science or or effectively psychology, which is effectively why do we why do human beings do what they do and if you add all of that lot together you've got this experience so now we apply your word of engagement so engagement means that i you know i'm committed to something i want to do something i i want to engage with this organization well now you're into going well what's driving value so you know what am i going to gain from this engagement and again some of that gaining from that engagement could be conscious things so it could be from an employee perspective it could be monetary could be just the salary that people get etc etc the benefits etc but it's also a lot a lot of human behavior is driven from the subconscious so that's around maybe working for an organization that shares your values you know doing work that you think is worthwhile being honest being you know having integrity assuming that you have integrity etc because i guess if you're a gangster then working for an organization that's got integrity (laughs) is not necessarily a good thing but let's assume you're not employing gangsters you know it's looking at what we mean then by by engagement engagement is is a manifestation isn't it you know i'm engaged but the interesting question becomes well what makes me engaged yeah you know and and that's the area that you've really got to uncover because you can if you can start to pick that apart both from a from a customer perspective and from an employee perspective that's where the real gold dust is because again uh, Stacey, you'll, you'll know that I say this all the time. What people say and what people do can be very different things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I also know there's a very big debate around tying customer experience scores to employee bonus, right? Going back to motivators and behaviors. What's your view on that as a motivator? Is Do you see that there's a pro-con better ways yeah my my personal background is I, I i spent most of my life in corporate life okay so we we set up beyond philosophy you know, say 20 years ago uh, the reason i tell you this is my background is sort of operational line management okay that's what i i'm used to and i know there is a school of thought that says that linking the achievement of customer sat scores however you want to define that whether it's net promoter etc to bonus is the wrong thing i disagree i think it's the right thing because it for me there's a stick and a carrot it's a bit like turning around and saying well we are not going to measure revenue you know we're not going to pay the sales teams for uh, achieving revenue goals we're not going to equate the performance of a company uh, on the share price and therefore the dividend that they that somebody gets okay you know in an ideal world 
would people would people want to do the right thing for a customer and are there people that do that to achieve their goals yeah but you know what we don't live in an ideal world and the majority of people are still motivated by that monetary factor and i guess the importance for me in fact i was saying this to a client the other day in fact i set them a, a challenge because we we were talking about whether and you talk about sort of doing it right which is a which is a great phrase we were talking about doing customer experience right and they had spent a hell of a long time looking at their internal values and all those types of things and that was really important to the organization and they'd rolled them out and put lots of training behind them and they were then overlaying customer experience on the top of that but it it wasn't anywhere near as important as the internal values of the organization. And I guess the, the, the challenge I gave them was, in a year's time, I would like to see that the customer experience was equally as important as the values of the, the organization, because clearly they should mesh. And a way that you can do that is by motivating people to achieve that. And therefore, it's the stick in the carrot for me. And the, the, the stick is, if you don't get, if you don't start applying, you know, getting these numbers through proper means, not by gaming the system, okay? But if you, if you don't start paying attention to these numbers and get these numbers up you're not going to get paid your bonus or you know a percentage of your bonus or whatever whatever that may be so maybe i'm just old school i don't know i will say when i worked at verizon there was a time i was in one job one job was verizon what was another one where I was the only one who had CX scores tied to my objectives, as well as the executive high-level teams. And then people didn't take seriously when I would bring them the insights, when I would bring them sure. the voice of customer and say, we have to change the website because customers are confused here. But when the year later, everybody shared the CX metrics... It was a different ball game. Sure. Everybody engaged to make changes and listen yeah. and care. We we did some work with Rico. They make printers, you know, don't aware of them. They improved their net promoter score by thirty four points over a thirty month period that led to a ten percent rise in printer sales. And I was chatting to the CEO and he, he wrote the forward of my last book. And I said to him, If there was one thing that you could change during that period of time, what would it be? And he said, I would of implemented measurement and payment against that measurement for the whole company two years earlier than I did, yeah, because he thought that it had such a dramatic effect. Let me be clear, as you're no doubt aware, it's highly controversial. Uh, nobody wants it. You know, finance, IT, HR will say, I don't have any impact on customer experience, so, you know, why should I have this? But undoubtedly, in my view, it should be done for the whole organization. I think there's one thing, one bit of advice I always give our clients is tell people that you're going to do it and give them a year to sort it out. So in other words, start setting the targets, but say, look, in a year's time, we are going to start to pay you on this. So you've got a year to get yourself sorted out between now and the time that comes up. So don't complain at me when we start implementing this. If you haven't sorted yourselves out, that's your issue. But that may be me coming from that, that operational background. So yeah, and but here's the other thing. Some companies I've been in, they'll focus on just the detractor scores, and others focus on how many positives we can get, right? So there's 
different schools of thought there too. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the whole area, obviously the danger is, is you get into the whole area of gaming and that is obviously totally wrong. Uh, and, and in my view, it's virtually fraud, to be honest with you, you know, because you're defrauding somebody of money by by putting in false claims manipulating things which i think is wrong and needs to be stamped on early yes so you said you worked at many different companies in corporate world is there an experience and i'm not going to say wow moment because i know that there's a debate with wow moments <laughs> as we've had on clubhouse but is there memorable moments that you found as an employee that you remember and that you would give advice to other leaders listening. Yeah, funny you should say that because I was talking to my son the other day. So I'm going to give you a wow moment, but this is a wow moment where I went, wow, that was bad. <laughs> so because I, I also think that you can learn not just from the good things, but from the not so good things. Okay. So I, when I was in um, marketing back in one of my corporate roles, I went for a one-to-one with my boss to talk about my career and he didn't show up. And that made me go, wow, I can't believe <laughs> here I am. And you know, we'd sort of talked about it before and everything else and told him that I wanted to have a chat with him about it and everything. Else. Uh, and I guess that that sort of what that made me do was just to go, you now realize how important those things are to people and how important it is to do what you say you're going to do and you know turn up for those important meetings and if you can't turn up then tell people but it it just smacks of the whole of the the leadership and you know again the subconscious message was you're not important okay you know i've got other things to do you don't even register on importance and i was one of his most senior leaders basically and he couldn't be bothered to even show up so that made me go well yes i've had those situations and i make sure as a leader that that never happens right i can't change other people but i can change what i do so that is big and that the reason why i love this story is that it's like we've got to do the basics right right that sure. this is human basics showing up it's the classic stuff of this guy was a really good marketeer he just should never been promoted to a manager so you know it's the classic stuff of you know in sports teams it's not the best sports person that becomes the best manager of that a manager of that sport you know it's a, it's a different skill set and it still amazes me how organizations fail to to recognize that i agree we could talk about that probably for an hour or more so customer moment what brand i like to talk about brands doing CX right. Is there a brand that wowed you or memorable that you thought, huh, they are doing it right? What's that experience memory? Yeah, the the company I always rattle on about is Apple. I love Apple. I, everything I have is Apple. Uh, and again, I think they do a they do a really good job of understanding again the psychology of of things. So let me give you an example of that. At the beginning of the pandemic, my wife's who is also our CFO, uh, her computer died, and we were back in England, and all the shops were shut, so you couldn't take it anywhere. I, I won't bore you with. The complete story because it started off bad to be fair and then I ended up escalating things but after that everything was fixed really well really fast uh, and you know there's a guy called Stephen Covey who's written a really good book called um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and what Covey talks about is an emotional bank account 
Okay, again, as human beings, employees, customers, we have an emotional bank account. And you do things for people and you pay into that emotional bank account. So when something goes wrong, as it did with, with this case with Apple, because they'd built up that emotional bank account with me, yeah, they'd done lots of good things that I liked. When something went wrong and it, you know, went wrong quite badly, it, it actually made a sort of a deduction from that emotional bank account, but it didn't fall into negative credit. And then what they did and the classic example here is, you know, when you're doing service recovery, then actually if you do it right and you do it quickly, you get more loyal customers, more credits are paid into that uh, emotional bank account. So I think they do, Apple do a really good job in, you know, just just one word I would use, consistency, you know, uniformity across the different product lines that they, they have. Uh, they don't get everything. I, I think Siri's probably the worst voice recognition system that there is. But, you know, I think they do, overall, they do a really good, really good job. Yes. And I'll add to that one thing that I love and I really notice is that when I buy a new product, which is more often than I'd like to admit, that they say after you buy, you know, you're going to get a call. And you can set up, you know, 30 minutes. We're going to walk you through and train you on your new watch or your computer. Yeah. I mean, that's brilliant, right? That's that's so smart. No, it is. And you think of the, you know, the interesting bit, again, is just how you look at things. Because you and I both know that if you, a lot of organizations would go, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yes. You know, (laughs) now uh, show me the ROI of that. You know, tell me how that's going to how much money we're going to generate? What's the the cost of all those things? And a lot of organizations would not have that type of program. But Apple intuitively know um, that if you do that, you gain loyal customers. And in the end, over a period of time, you'll you'll end up winning. I agree. And that's that's the difference between best in class companies. They're they're not short sighted, right? They're yeah, really totally. looking at like like Apple. I think it's a great example. You and I share in common this thing about words. There's actually one word specifically I, I want to dive into. So my passion around words came from reading the four agreements. It's a book. It's a it's a life book, but I found it very valuable for business too, which talks about don't take things personally, always do your best, don't make assumptions, and be impeccable with your word. So, you know, people say the word should. You should do this. It's you should do that. And I always say, well, don't should on me or don't sh- and don't should on yourself. And a play on words, of course. So you were telling a story about should, and I loved it because it was also about should. Can you share that story and, and learning? Yeah, so we were doing some work in England in the early days of uh, Beyond Philosophy, and we're working for one of the largest insurance companies in the UK, auto insurance. So, you know, they used to get millions of phone calls, uh, well, still do, get millions of phone calls in each week. And we were, we were called in by this client who basically said that when people were phoning in to the call center to place an order for a policy or whatever it may be, the uh, 76% of those people that were doing that transaction were phoning back within something like three days to to ask where their policy was. So basically, what was happening was this. The, the customer was on the line and, and saying, yes, I'm going to go ahead with that policy. And the agent would turn around and say, 
your policy documents should be with you within five working days, okay? Uh, and everybody, you know, customer put the phone down. And then typically, as I say, 76% of people were then phoning back within three days to turn around and say, oh, I'm not sure where my documents are. Could you just remind me when are they coming? I'm, you know, I'm not certain what, what's happening. And what we, when we looked at the words that people were using, what we focused on was this word should, okay? Because that's a classic example of a subconscious message that had been planted in the customer's brain and was gnawing away at them subconsciously. Okay, so we decided that we would just change one word, and what we 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 got all the agents together and we explained what was happening, and we said what we'd like you to now say is instead of your documents should be with you in, uh, in five days, we would like you to say your policy documents will be with you in five days, and literally within three weeks, the return calls, and this is millions of phone calls, went down from seventy six percent down to 6% within three weeks just by changing one word. And that, for me, is a classic example of, A, what you're saying about the words, but that subconscious message. Because if you ask the customer, well, why did you phone, as, as clearly we did, the, the customer would, was saying, well, I just felt a bit uneasy, wasn't really certain. They didn't say, Oh, they said should. You know, you know, they didn't. They couldn't point it out themselves. But it's just again goes into that behaviour and, and and motivation. So I think you're totally right. You know, words are really important, and they betray what people really think. If you really listen, I mean, sorry to, to rattle on about this, but I think this is really in, in, important. If you listen to how many times people say the word feel, okay, they make me felt, they, I felt this way, I feel they did this, that I felt that this was, we talk about emotion all the time. And yet, most businesses seem to ignore it. So really, really, really listening to the words that people use is really important. So as we get to uh, near the end, last question. So it's one of my favorite questions I ask my guests. If you could go back in time, let's say your 20-year-old self, what you know now, what would you tell yourself then? I would tell myself not necessarily to hurry at everything, is back when you're back in those days, you feel like everything's important and the world's slipping you by. There, there's, um, I, again, I'm going to show my age now because my favorite group is Pink Floyd. And one of the, the songs they have in Pink Floyd is, or Pink Floyd wrote, is a, a, a song called Time, which talks about ticking away the moments that make up a dull day. You fritter and waste the hours in an offhand way. Kicking around on a piece of ground in your hometown waiting for someone or something to show you the way and those words like your book those words when i when i first heard those really made me think and i guess the reality is is that what people don't do well enough is they don't plan their next job you talk about employee engagement i always remember sitting down and one of them whenever a new team member joined my team the first thing i used to ask them was what's their next job gonna be and it didn't necessarily need to be with me because my view was they should be setting their goals for the next sort of five or ten years and that job should have been part of that sort of learning cycle so i wanted to make sure that they learn all the things that they needed to learn to get their next job so i 
I, I guess my answer is, it, you know, is to I would be telling myself to think ahead and plan ahead, uh, but not necessarily rush at it because you know the, these things take time. Did you should on them? <laughs> um, maybe it's a good point. You see, listen to words, very important. I heard you. <laughs> Oh, it's great. So my last question is, if I had tons of CEOs in my room right now, and you had a chance to tell them one thing, what would you say? Uh, Improving your customer experience drives value. And why is it that you want to prove that that's the case for some things, but not others. So let me give you an example. Nobody turns around and says, what's the ROI of leadership training? You know, we're going to send everybody on a leadership training course. Nobody says, well, how much money are we going to get back if we do that? I think I've told you this story before, but for your audience, uh, I remember going in to see a client to pitch for some business and their their, uh, foyer was being redeveloped. And when I started to do the presentation, got to the end, told them how much it was going to be to do this. And they started to challenge the numbers, which was fine. Okay, don't have a problem with that. But I started and they started to say, well, tell me, you know, how much money are we going to gain if we do invest in this, etc. And my challenge to them was, how much money are you going to gain by remodeling your reception area because it was probably our fees were probably the same amount as remodeling their reception area but again you know and this is actually you talk about psychology this is this is called mental accounting which I won't bore you with but mental accounting basically means that we compartmentalize money into sort of different buckets we have Oh, that's the vacation fund, and we're going to put money in. Oh, that's the college fund, and we're going to put money in. And then you turn around and go, well, I haven't got any money this month. Well, you have. You just put it into that bucket and that bucket. You've got money, but you just don't want to take it out of those buckets. So the point I'm trying to make is that uh, what I would say to them is customer experience undoubtedly drives value. Okay, and you, you sometimes you just got to take a leap of faith with it, rather than try to to pull it apart and understand that sort of from the nth degree. I agree. Said it very well. So on that note, where can people find you? Because there is so much more to tell beyond these uh, 30 minutes together. Where can they find you and all the great work you've done? Great. Yeah. So thanks. If you go to beyondphilosophy.com, that's uh, beyondphilosophy.com. You'll most find most of our stuff there. And we do a podcast uh, called The Intuitive Customer. And we, uh, myself and a co-host, uh, Professor Ryan Hamilton, we talk about all of this behavioral science stuff and this motivation and uh, all this type of stuff, which is applicable for employees as as it is for customer experience as well. And that the intuitive customer you can you can find anywhere on uh, on Apple. And uh, lastly, LinkedIn. I'm do a load of stuff on LinkedIn. So reach out there. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining me today. And I know that we're going to get a lot of great questions and sharing of this episode. So thank you again. And I look forward to seeing you. Take care. Thanks so much for having us on. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.